We've been uh, talking in Colossians. I'm really excited today to share with you uh, just this, this beautiful scripture that um, uh, Paul has for us. And uh, uh, I, I wanted to let you know that we're, we're actually going to be uh, talking about uh, a scripture that um, we, we hit on a little bit last time. It's actually Colossians 3, and we're going to start at verse 15. We have decided officially um, to uh, not, in this forum, handle the verse 18 and on. <laughs> and verse 18 and on is, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, this was a really fun, uh, uh, great discussion uh, here and amongst the pastors. And uh, just to let you know what, what, where we went with this was we want to start a series on prayer and we are going to have an intensive in July. It's actually a Friday night, all night, and a Saturday, almost three-quarters of a day intensive for married couples where we are going to actually deal with that scripture right there. And if you're not married, you can come as well. But we're going to really dig in. And uh, for those of you that are married, newly married, and want to be a part of that intensive, I'll be teaching that. And I'm very excited to do so. And so... Uh, just wanted to uh, let you know, it's all coming out. We're going for it. Okay, come on. All right. Look there at uh, Colossians 3. Look what it says. It says, and let, Paul says here, he says, and let the peace of Christ, look at that word there, rule, rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. I want to talk to you about a concept called this and I want to ask you the question, what in your life has the final say, or how about this question that goes right along with it, what is the loudest voice? This is exactly what Paul is talking about when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your life, right? And let the word of Christ dwell in your life. He's challenging us with this concept of what actually does have the rule in our lives? What is the loudest voice in our lives? And I was thinking a lot about that this week because I, I sat with many people this week and there were all gifts to me from the Lord this week, the, the folks I was with this week. It was beautiful. But I got I to gotta share something with you, and not just these people this week. Almost, almost oh, I would say nine out of ten people. What, what Paul is saying is, when he says the rule, of, the rule and the peace of Christ, what he's saying is, that's the preeminent sound that you need to be hearing. That's the rule going on in your life that needs to be happening over your life. So the loudest thing you need to be hearing, the thing that rules you the most is Christ's peace, Christ's word. 
And the nine out of 10 thing would be, I don't think that's true of us, and I wouldn't say just you, me too. And the loudest voice, or maybe the most ruling passion in my life, see if you agree, is anxiety, fear, shame. True? True for many of us? All caused by many of us from terrible things that have gone on in our lives, that now as a result of those things that have gone on in our lives, the loudest thing we hear, the thing that rules us the most, is the pain incurred from whatever it was in the past. We are fear-riddled Christians, I think. My brother and I used to play a game, and we used to say, oh, yo, you're, you're stupid times 10, right? And he goes, you're stupid times infinity. You know how you do that? You know, you go back and forth until finally somebody does this. Ah, uh, right? Ah, uh, and they keep talking. And soon, yeah, say it again. Ah, uh, so I can't hear you, right? So I'm just drowning out the sound. That's exactly what many of us have done with our pain. That's exactly what the ruling loud voice in our life is, is the hurt and the anxiety and the fear that we struggle with. Maybe you're a young lady here who has been terribly burned by a young man or young men. And you, you decided at some point in your life that, the, that what's going to rule you now is the embitterment that comes from that bad relationship. And the loudest voice you hear is, you see, you just weren't good enough to measure up in that relationship. You see, you just weren't pretty enough. You see, you just weren't. You see, you just... And the loudest voice, and it's easy to tell when you sit down and talk with somebody, what the loudest voice, what the ruling pattern is in their life. It's true, isn't it? Is it true of you? It's a good question. I looked up anxiety. Anxiety basically means distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. Now anxiety is, is in, you know, the psych, psychiatrist would call it this state of apprehension. And I think that, that many of us do have anxiety. The synonym is fear. Fear. The antonym is what? Hmm? Okay. How about this? Certainty. Peace. And what Paul is saying is that the final and the loudest voice is the peace of Christ in your life. The word of Christ that he says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ there meaning the truth. Let it dwell in you richly. Let the gospel be the loudest voice. My father was the rule in our home. The hierarchy was easily understood by all the children. The buck stopped at my dad's decision. That, that was hard many times. The loudest voice in our house, the most ruling voice in our house, was my father. I could argue with my mom. I could manipulate greatly. Kind of like we, what we do with ourselves. But when it came to dad, 
dad knew all the games. It's a little bit like that with our Lord. You see, the Lord isn't as concerned necessarily about being this friend of ours as much as he is about being our rule, our Lord, our King, our sovereign. He rules. But in this case, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Does the peace of Christ, the peace that comes from knowing intimately Jesus Christ, is that the ruling passion of your life, no matter what you face, if it's four feet of water in your bedroom (laughs) or basement, or if it's four feet of water in your marriage, figuratively, or if it's five feet of water in your single life, does the peace of Christ still rule? It's important to get that image. And it's really good for me to hear. I read a quote this last week that said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And I think that's true. When you look through the biblical record, you don't see much room when Jesus says, it's okay to be fearful and have faith. You actually would say, Jesus would say, no, your key, and your, your emotion is you're people of faith. You're, you have faith. That's the predominant understanding of life, not fear, not anxiety. Many of you young ladies, I mean, I, I get all of you mad at me all the time anyway. It doesn't matter. Many of you young ladies that have babies, it's very easy for you, isn't it? To, I remember coming home with our baby, and, and as soon as the baby started to cry, I said, oh, my gosh, the baby's going to die tomorrow. As soon as the baby didn't sleep, I said, oh, my gosh, this baby's never going to sleep. It's going to have sleep disorder. You done that before? Are you fearful? And now, of course, uh, uh, how do we handle our fear? Uh-oh, here we go. You're going to get upset with me. How we handle our fear now is many of us, if we have problems or fear or don't understand something, we go to Google. I had a girl say that to me the other day. We were at a, at a coffee shop, and me and somebody were talking, and she goes, just Google it, dude. I went, is that what our Bible is? Is Google now the Bible? Does Google give me peace? Holy smokes. Are you serious? You could put one word in there and you have 15 million jokers talking about it. Right? Homosexuality. Oh, boy. We're, yeah, I, could spend, I could spend days on Google looking at that. I got every opinion in the world, right? All I got to read is 10 and I walk away going, well, what do I really think? Oh my gosh, what do I do about my baby? I shouldn't feed her corn. It's got to be carrots on Tuesday. Blah, you know. Oh, some, some woman in Kansas fed an alligator. So, you know, I mean, they, our stories are unbelievable. Think about what I'm saying. How do you handle your fear? How do you handle your anxiety? What Paul's saying is he's saying, let the, let the peace of Christ rule. Let it be the loudest voice. 
Let it be, let it be your solid rock that you go to. The cross gave you everything that you need to be able to work through your trial with your child. Or your understanding, and the scriptures gave you everything you need for your understanding of if you're trying to find out what homosexuality is all about. Philippians 4, 5, and 6 says this. I love it. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. (laughs) In other words, he's present. Do not be anxious about anything. Brother and sister, are you hearing me today? Sister, are you receiving this today? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We have a father, apparently, who loves to listen to the request of his children. We're in the house. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 5 and 6. Hmm. It's a good challenge. Lastly, second point, I'll finish on this one. Really want to talk with you here. Look there back in Colossians. Really want to talk with you here. I want you to put these kind of some, some things together. Look there at 15, Colossians three fifteen again. Look what it says. I love it when Paul says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called. And then there's a period there, and it says, and be thankful. Then look at 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with what? Thankfulness in, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Number two, second time he says it. And then in 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. I want you to know one of the things that I couldn't uh, speak with you about, but I need to take a little bit of a side note here for you. I want you to know that um, you see that verse 16 there where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all, all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This, this, this kind of, this idea, this understanding, I watched Glee for the first time, okay? What an unbelievably crazy ride that is. And I want you to know something that, that this, this concept of glee and singing is, is, a, is a picture that Paul gives to the people of God. And one of the reasons that we sing, one of the cornerstone reasons that we sing is what? Is because we're thankful. That's why we sing. Do you ever sing in the shower? Any of you sing in the shower? Sing just out loud, sing in the car? Sing by yourself, turn the radio up, kick it going, oh man, you're on it, right? You're filled with joy, you love the song, turn it up. God says we do that because we're thankful for what God has given to us in his son Jesus. And so it's really, it doesn't work like when you go to church and you say, hey dude, I just don't dig their worship. (laughs) It's not about digging the worship. It's about us living these worshipful lives because we're so shattered by what God has done for us in the person of his son Jesus that we can't help but sing. 
It would be like anytime somebody gives me an opportunity, I'm going to sing because it's my opportunity to say thank you for what God's done for me. It's like I'm walking down the, down the road here in 12 South, and somebody comes up and says, hey, hey, man, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's break out into song. Absolutely, dude. You know, we don't do that, right? We don't. Do we have any glee? We're surely not the glee club. The idea when Paul's saying that you would, you would, you would let, the, let the peace of, peace of Christ, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that it would rit, dwell in you so richly, it's so much of a treasure that you actually teach and admonish one another in like a cool way, not in a bad way like we all understand. That you teach and admonish one another, you'd be in each other's lives, and you would actually sing psalms and hymns to one another. My mom used to take me to musicals. We went and saw the West Side Story and all the, the King and I, and the Bald King, and all these great, great, you know, and I, I, one of the, I remember seeing these things for the first time and I thought, do people like live like this? Like, do they walk around in life and they're talking and all of a sudden they, ah! you know, they break and wouldn't that be awesome? I know that we're, I know that we're here in Nashville by the way. I'm real cognizant of it. I know that we're cool. I know that, you know, we've got to be cool and hip, and God forbid we'd come and have to sing, you know, you know just kind of cheesy worship music. I know it's cheesy for many of you. And here's what i got to say to you. In love, get over yourself. Sing to the Lord, bro. Sing to the Lord, sister. We need a lot more glee and a lot more singing. And any of you, anytime you want, even if you want to sing off tune, just come up and sing right in my face. I'll, I'll receive it. <laughs> what Paul is giving us here when he goes, talks about and be thankful, when he talks about thankfulness in verse 16, when he talks about thankfulness in verse 17, giving thanks to the Father, be thankful. I really want to talk with you about this because I've got to tell you something. It's really, it's really um, I've been really convicted about it. Many of you know that this last week, on this last Monday, I turned 50. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> turned 50, and I went with my, my, my boys, my buddies, to, out to play golf. We played 36 holes on Monday, and I could have played 18 more. And we played 36 holes on Tuesday. And um, I, w- I got up Tuesday morning, and we had such a cool day. Have you ever had one of these days? We had such an unbelievable day that when I woke up Tuesday morning, I said, Lord, how could this day be any better than yesterday? Because of the people that I was with and the time we had and the things that we shared with. It was absolutely art. And it was only made possible because of Christ. It's the only way I was able to, to, to connect at the level I was able to with my, with my friends. And I did something really weird that morning. I marked up my golf ball with a magic, with a marker, a permanent marker. And I just put thankfulness on it. I just wrote the word thankful. And then I put on below thankful, I put B-O-B. This is my band of brothers. And every time I looked down at my golf ball, I was reminded 
of what my Lord had done for me. Isn't that good? And I think about that, and as I share that with you, I was struck when I began to write that how little thankfulness plays in my life. And Paul, what Paul is doing here in Colossians is he's giving us a picture of a people that are rooted in gratefulness, a people that are actually thankful that there is a ruler named Christ in their hearts, a people that are actually thankful that Christ dwells in them, a people that are actually thankful that they have others that will teach and admonish them. Think about that. We're so prideful, we're so ultra-sensitive, and we're so caught up in our own self-perception that we would never say, thank you, Lord, I needed to hear that teaching and admonishment from my brother. Would we? But Paul actually says, no, you, you actually would need to thank the Lord for that. Admonishment means to caution and to advise or to counsel against. And I know that I've shared this with you many times. And I've said to you, do you have people in your life that in a Christ-like way in all gentleness can admonish you and teach you? Or do you believe that the road that you're running on has all kinds of mirrors and you can see everything in the, on the side of you, in the back of you, and in front of you, and you're just a lone soldier going down the highway? The idea here would be you would actually have people involved in your life that you would thank God for because they're in the inner circle and they can teach and admonish you and love you. And you could actually be thankful for that and not resist it like the majority of us do. And I asked myself the question today, see if you can answer it for yourself. Why so ungrateful, Joel? Why so ungrateful? What's going on in my life? And here's, here's what I came up with for me. Maybe it'll apply to you. Pride. I'm ungrateful. I don't live a thankful life that Paul's describing here in Colossians because I have pride. Many of us talk. I kind of talk my way out of being thankful. That's because I think that I live an entitled life. Do you? I don't have to say thank you. I deserve that. If my wife makes me dinner, here's my thought. Well, I make the money. That's called pride. That's called entitlement. I'm sitting at lunch yesterday, and I finished my salad, and my bowl's sitting there on the table. And the waiter comes by, and he grabs my bowl. And I'm, I'm it like, happened in a microsecond. I may be able to go, should I say thank you for that? Should I? Kind of caught in the vortex of thankfulness. I said it. I said, thank you. And he, he kind of goes, <laughs> he was caught in the vortex too. <laughs> but should I have said thankful for that? After all, he's a waiter. That's his job. Is that how we are? Is that why we're so ungrateful? How about this? We're, we, many of us are ungrateful because of our discontentment. Follow this, because I'm right with you. Many days I live like this. Many of us live on the ship called discontentment. And we are moaning sailors. 
And there's no room for thanksgiving because there is nothing to be thankful for. Everything and everyone, including God, are constant disappointments. Discontented people are demanding people. And I'm like that. People pay because of my discontentment, probably more so than anyone would be my wife. Because no one ever measures up to my demands. And many times discontented people, they don't have many friends because all those friends have jumped ship because they can't live up to the demands. That's what happens in many marriages. It's one of the reasons why we're so ungrateful. Our pride, our discontentment, and the last thing that we're, uh, why we're ungrateful is because of our competence. Competent people are rarely thankful people. Their mantra is, I can handle this. And the I can handle this person has only one person to thank, and that's themselves. Competent people don't like to ask for help. Follow along with me now, because I'm almost finished. Competent people don't like to ask for help because in asking for help, their incompetence is revealed. When the flood waters rise, either literally or figuratively, their chief goal is to be seen as competent and capable. And that's happening here in all of us. By the way, I, I just want you to know that I love it when I can look at some of these couples that I counsel. I love counseling married couples. I love it when I can look at them and I can say, how are you guys doing? And they say, we are in the pooper. I, would, I just love that. Because at 50, 50, at 50, <laughs> at 50, I am tired. I'm so tired of the competence because I'm not competent. The only person that's competent is my Lord who died for me. It's okay for me to be free in my incompetence. Oh, you follow? It's okay to say that things are in the pooper. It's okay to say things. It's not good. I was amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get too far with this. Don't get all concerned. I was amazed at how many people that I knew I didn't get a call from people that said, my basement's flooding, dude. Get your white fanny over here now. I didn't know. And then I find out days later, I'm thinking, wait a minute, do, why don't we ask for help? Not just with the flood, but everything in our lives. Is it because we're just so concerned that we don't want to put somebody out or we're competent? What is it? And I, don't do, I do it too. Is it one of the reasons why we're truly not in community? Is because, God forbid, we just say, hey, I, I just I can't take the fence down by myself. And, so I, and I can't call my friends because I'll put them out when I call them. They got appointments, and I'll oh, forget it. I'll just hire somebody. Well, Paul would say, and I'll close with this, Paul would say no. That's not the way to be thinking and living and acting in the world. That's what he's saying in Colossians. He's, that's not the way you think and live and act. He would say God's people are thankful people. It's the constant song that won't get out of their heads. 
Ever had that? Your friend gave you a song, and it's really a bad, cheesy song, and you can't get it out of your head. And you look at him one thing, you say, dude, why'd you start, why'd you sing that song? It's the opposite for us. We'd actually look and say, Lord, thank you for singing that song. It's the constant song that we won't get, that we can't get out of our head. It's not a prideful and entitled people. He would say, jump ship. Get off the ship of discontentment. Kill the competence. Get on your knees and thank God from the bottom of your heart and declare this. It is grace. Nothing but grace that I even have this day that I have this Jesus, that I have these people in my life. I'm thankful for them. James Stewart of England is, they call him a professional beggar. Stewart has thank you tattooed on his palm. I wrote it, I didn't get it tattooed. And I thought about that. He's a professional beggar. He has tattoos on his palm, and I just wanted to write it on my, you know, and I wondered how, which way should I put the thank you? Should I put it so that you could read it or, like, or backwards or, you know. But, you know, uh, at my best, I'm a professional beggar. And maybe that's why we have a hard time saying thank you or being thankful because we don't see ourselves as just these professional beggars in deep need of God's grace in His Son, Jesus. Just receivers. Done nothing to get where I've got. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for even giving us the strength to even say a word out of our mouth that would say thank you. I pray uh, over my friends today. I pray for the many people in this room that um, I know, including me, that the loudest voice in their life is fear and anxiety or shame. Lord, I claim by the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the cross, that you would absolutely reign over that, that you would speak against that. That your cross and your, the adoption that comes as a result of the cross would be our power, our identity, our new self. I pray for many people in here, Lord, that are just have just such a tragic story to tell. I pray, Lord, I pray that as they mourn, that you would come and heal. We, uh, we pray also that this week would be a week maybe that we could imprint the word on our hands, that we could realize that everything that we have and everything we're about it's you and what you've done for us. Let us be a thankful people. We thank you in your name, amen.